This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the ninth episode of Narrative Shift. Today, we are talking about Dignity and How to See People, which is the eighth chapter of Terrence Lester's book, I See You. Yeah, it's the eighth, eighth chapter, and this is the this is actually uh, the ninth episode it of is, our podcast. Yeah. So. Yep. How do you feel about that, man? Man, it's pretty crazy that we've been doing this for what will be nine episodes now. <laughs> over, over two months. Yeah. Yeah, so if you've been listening up up to this point, we just want to say thank you um, uh, to those of you who, you know, uh, take in this content and you're actually applying it in some way uh, to your life or just like using this material as a, as a way of starting other conversations with friends and family and maybe even some people that you don't even know. Um, but John, today is November the 2nd, right? Right, man. We look back over this year. It looks like it. It just it flew by. It did. Yeah, man. It's already November second, and this morning it was about what thirty degrees outside. Yeah, I had to scrape off ice from my windshield. Scrape off ice? Right. No. Which meant I had to find my ice scraper from whenever I last used it. <laughs> that was a long time ago. It was a good while ago. Yeah, man. Uh, you were just mentioning. Uh, that what like just a month ago, maybe two months ago, it was a hundred degrees outside. I think it like the it might have even been like the beginning of October. Wow, I think. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was hot. I yeah, at least. Yeah, it was really hot. Well, a uh, couple days has have have uh, passed since Halloween, <laughs> the Halloween, right? The one and only. Yeah, I, I, it was it was really funny this year, you know. Uh, you know, churches did their hallelujah nights and, you know, it was a bunch of schools uh, doing harvest festivals. <laughs> yeah. Trunk or treats at, uh, different schools. Um, we've seen a lot of fest festive things going. What, what did you do for Halloween, man? Man, I was a little bit lame this Halloween. I stayed at no. home. Stayed you were lame this, this yep. year? I didn't even watch scary movies. I just stayed at home and passed out candy. You passed out candy. Passed out candy hey, to man. trick-or-treaters. <laughs> hey, man, somebody has to stand in the gap <laughs> right. for all of these kids that go and, and come to to homes expecting uh, candy. Yeah, somebody had to do it because, you know, you can't just leave the bowl out there. Cause... Right. Did you <laughs> see that video that uh, Eugene Cho posted, though? Yeah, I did. The one where the... This little kid, I think he was dressed as like a vampire or something. Yeah, um, yeah. But he walks up to this bowl, looks in it, and realizes it's empty. Yeah. And I think my favorite part was where he like stuck his uh, hand up to his like chin like he was sitting there thinking. <laughs> thinking, yeah. He, he reaches in his own uh, candy bag and puts candy back into the bowl. Wow. That was heroic. It was. Yeah. He, I think his caption said that uh, the kid <laughs> at least gave him uh, faith in humanity again for that day. Right. For at least one day. But that was kind of cool, man, to uh, 
see this kid. He was with his mom, and obviously these people who were, who were giving out candy didn't want to open the door like you were doing. <laughs> so, right. So they put all the candy in a bowl, and it's like a free economy, right? Right. If I was a stingy kid, I could walk up to it and just snatch a bunch of candy. Just empty the whole bowl and your Empty bag. the whole bowl. But this kid, for some strange reason, uh, chose to be kind and put – Maybe a few pieces of candy back in that bowl, man. It was like a couple handfuls. Yeah, it was inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you need to see, man. But for me, uh, this year, I didn't really do much um, outside of our normal routine. We took the kids to, you know, adjoining neighborhoods and to our neighbors' houses. And we knocked on doors and we had smiles and... We collected the candy, man. It's all about the candy. It is around Halloween. It is. So my son was a ninja. Um, for some reason this year he wanted to be a ninja. Last year he was a uh, Black Panther. Okay, which was really cool. And my daughter, uh, she had this purge mask on. Okay, so she's in middle school now, and <laughs> I don't know what's going on with her, but uh, she wanted to wear the purge mask, so she had that on. She actually scared her older lady. <laughs> It was funny. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's another story relating to us talking about Halloween. Uh, you text me uh, late that night. Yeah, it was, probably, talk- it was probably about um, 11 o'clock, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and I see this image of um, some young girls, I think about college age, but they had decided to dress up as people who were homeless and uh, with signs and everything. And, I mean, those are just really insensitive and hateful. Wow. Uh, yeah, I remember receiving that text message from you, and I, I thought I thought it was like a joke. But then, you know, I, I researched and looked up uh, the story And there was an article here on the uh, Phoenix New Times, and it was literally students from uh, Northern uh, Arizona University who dressed up like homeless uh, people experiencing homelessness and immigrants. And and some of the 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 wording on the signs were was just like it broke my heart. Yeah, like one even said, uh, "Veteran have." prostate cancer like what yeah i mean i don't yeah and like immigrant mother of it was like 10 10 kids 10 kids anything helps um hungry uh student homeless student in college and like all of them were just kind of dressed up and uh just imitating uh, people experience that homelessness. And I was reading through some of the comments on Twitter, man, and people were outraged. Did you read some? I think I read a few, but I mean, I, th- I feel like they were rightly outraged because I don't, I mean, they covered such a broad range of people. Like, how do you like attack veterans and immigrants and college students and like all like teen mothers all in like one one go around like yeah I, I think I read one uh like I guess uh critique was uh this Twitter 
user was was basically saying that you cannot exploit uh, people's suffering. Yeah, you know uh, that these are real. You know these represent real people in real time going through these real experiences. And when you think about it, man, like there is literally some veteran in the world in the United States uh, that probably didn't have a place to stay uh, that same night. This this costume was worn. Um, there's some, you know, immigrant or refugee um, mother. Uh, who is no longer with their child because their child was taken from them. Uh, I mean, these are real stories. And to almost like, I think I think they were alluding to this idea that we can't uh, put ourselves in a position where we dress up like the sufferings of others. And this is just a costume and you take it off at night, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, one of the things that, you know, I was kind of uh, – hopeful about is the the president of the university immediately responded and uh you know kind of like apologize and and saying that they took this real seriously um and and to all of the the young adults and to college students out there man what would you say john because you're closer in age um yeah i mean i shouldn't even have to say like don't dress up like there's, I mean, there's no world in which that is funny or amusing, right? To dress up like somebody who is suffering, right? Um, especially some of the people groups they targeted, like immigrants and veterans. Like those are two groups of people that have suffered a lot, right? Suffered a lot, and um, and continue to suffer, and continue to suffer, and it's not like like they've made bad choices either. Like right. you have one of these people groups who is, I mean, literally fought for their country. Right. And now for whatever reason, they're unable to support themselves. And then another, I mean, there are just so many different reasons why people immigrate or have to seek refuge in another country. It's typically because of violence or persecution or poverty, or man. poverty, extreme yeah. poverty. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think I just think there's a better way um, to bring attention to the issue, uh, uh, not as something that you put on and take off, but you know something that you would be willing to stand in the gap for. Uh, yeah. Why not use your same voice uh, to advocate on behalf of those individuals going through these types of circumstances? Mm-hmm. Why don't you ed- educate people? Uh, on your college campus yeah. or in, in close proximity, you know, your friends, your family members about what what it is that they could do uh, to get involved in the needs of the community, the surrounding communities. Because last week we were just talking about, you know, different needs, different communities. Yeah, man. And another thing I just thought of, think yeah. of how many college students themselves are homeless. Oh, man. I mean... That I've, is a good point. Yeah, I like I, I personally have known people who have uh, struggled to put themselves through college and had to go without wow. a consistent shelter. Like I know people who have gone through college homeless. I know people who have uh, gone through um, college hungry 
Wow. They weren't able to afford to feed themselves. Mm. Um, I was one of them, man. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's rough. Uh, according to CBS News, man, uh, across the country, there's some 68,000 students who claim to be experiencing homelessness mm. right now. 68,000. How hard is that to, you know, people, some, some college students are sleeping in their cars or, you know, uh, living on couches or, you know, I've even heard of, uh, you know, a couple college students chipping in to buy a storage unit and staying in the storage unit, you know, having to get up in the, you know, morning and they maybe have a $10 a month gym membership and going to take a shower there. You know, it's all sorts of, of stories. And, and so, yeah. And I mean, that's not even like, yeah community colleges we're talking about like they're homeless students attending harvard and wow. and uh you know ivy league schools wow that is what does that do to you what man um wow you know um i'm reading here on usa today man uh you know that is very detrimental uh to be homeless while in college because students sleep in their cars and on couches and when they literally have nowhere else to go. Um, and I just quoted and I said, what did I say? 68,000. This is a more yeah. recent number. It's, it's nearing 86,000 college students now. Um, which they say this is, a almost a 14% increase, man. Uh, that's huge. That is huge. But I guess as this relates to our topic, though, you know, when we talk about, you know, affirming the dignity of others and and seeing people, that act that these students did, that was not affirming. Not at all. And unfortunately, uh, what that costume, like what the realization it brought around was that they saw these people, yeah, uh, but they didn't choose to step in and lift them up. They decided to mock and mm. make fun of, and wow, they decided to remove dignity instead of trying to help affirm dignity. Yeah, man, uh, they did see them, mm-hmm. but they didn't see them. If you know right. what I mean, right? So, like, I think there's one form of seeing where, like. Yo, I'm sitting across from you right now. I, I see you. Right. But there's an- another form of seeing where it's like, John, how was your day? You know, how was your week? You know, what's going on in your life? It's a type of seeing where you get a chance to understand, like, the inner workings of a person, a person's story, uh, getting a chance to, like, get close in, in, in proximity with that person through, like, honest dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing someone on a corner holding a sign and then you des- decide to design a costume or, you know, seeing some imagery on the news about refugees and then you decide to design a costume is not the same as seeing where you've actually become proximate to someone and you you see them for who they are, but you also see that they are they're uh, creating the image of God, man. They are. Yeah to God's creation and they are worthy of, of dignity. And that leads us to this question, man, John, uh, 
where does dignity actually come from, would you say? I think, or even when we think about uh, the term dignity, like what does dignity mean? Yeah. Um, like you think of uh, like how royalty would often be ref- ref- uh, referred to as like uh, your dignity or yeah. uh, a, a dignified, etc. Like a title or something. Yeah, yeah, it's something to attribute like honor and value and worth and meaning or reverence. to. And, yeah, reverence. Yeah. Um, so when you ask where does dignity come from for me and you and the rest of the humanity, I believe that comes from the fact that we are all made in the image of God. Yeah. And, I mean, God himself is to be dignified and because we bear his image we inherently have dignity yeah yeah and and when we talk about the image of god um we're, we're talking about the creative the uh, intellectual aspects of a person the moral aspects the relational and the spiritual uh, aspects of a person um that we're all fashioned in this way to bear the image of what God is like, uh, in the, in the, in the world. And so, uh, because we have been created, uh, by a creator, um, that is worthy of dignity, then we all, um, have that right to be affirmed in that same way because we, uh, bear God's image, you know, a practical definition of the word dignity comes from a Latin word, um, at which, which implies like worthiness, you know, it implies that each person is worthy of honor and respect for who they are, uh, not just for what they can do. And we live in a society and culture right now that loves to praise people for what they can do, but not necessarily, uh, affirm them just for simply existing, man. You know, um, like I always say, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or you're the person that slept on a park bench the night before in this cold weather. Uh, both persons are deserving of honor, respect, uh, worth, and value. And, you know, you ask me why? Because I don't start with all of the external things. I start with the fact that they are human, uh, they've been created, and they are worthy of that respect and honor, man. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I agree. No matter what you do or what you can do, doesn't that doesn't um, erase the image of God. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Because worth doesn't come from doing, though. Uh-uh, no. And it doesn't come from anything external. It comes solely from the fact that you were created. That you were created. That That's you're it. living, that you're breathing. Right. That you're alive, um, that you're human. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I think about all of these wonderful things, we also have to talk about... Um, just to educate people about what actually violates that dignity. Um, and when I, when I think about that, one, one of the things that comes to mind is uh, when one person <laughs> uh, deprives another individual or community or both of, uh, from means of, of, you know, uh, freedom or, 
you know, the necessary capacities to, to exist with that type of freedom and worth. Like, for instance, if I was to deprive you of, of being celebrated for who you are, right, just for existing, uh, just for living and breathing, then I could violate your, your human dignity. Uh, in real time, uh, this is fleshed out like I just saw not too long ago. I was downtown and I literally saw a person experiencing homelessness arrested for looking in a trash can in front of a business. Um, this person was hungry. Obviously they had not eaten. Um, I started to share this story. One of the reasons I didn't share it on social media is because I was able to talk to, uh, this police officer, um, to, to give this, this guy a lesser, uh, charge or whatever. But yeah, he was taken to jail and he was arrested. Um, and it was in direct violation, I believe, of this guy's worth and value. Uh, this business owner came out irate uh, because this guy experiencing homelessness was standing in front of the business. Uh, he said that he was, uh, you know, uh, like violent, like damaging property. He had this whole list of things uh, they made up about this dude and in actuality, this guy was only trying to find something to eat because he said he hadn't eaten in a few days. And his last resort um, was looking in a trash can. Could you imagine how dignity stripping that is uh, to try to find your meal in a trash can and to be harassed on top of that? Yeah. You know, I feel like when we... Um, when we judge people, when we uh, deprive them of the opportunity just to, to be free and be affirmed and assign worth and value to uh, a person, that we violate them and their dignity. What would you say, man? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a... It's a tough story. Like, Bro, I, I, I almost got tears, like, retelling it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine being in that person's position of like you said not only the undignified act of searching for your meal through a trash can yeah uh searching for somebody else's scraps and what they've discarded bro, is trash, unworthy bro. yeah um and then on top of that uh to be arrested to be arrested for it for yeah. trying to survive for loitering you know, for for loitering, bro. Um, you know, it just does something to me. You know, it breaks my heart. But, you know, as we think about affirming the dignity of others, I, I think we do need to process and think about ways that we literally violate the dignity of other people. Uh-huh. You, can you think of any other ways? Yeah, I can. But... Um Man, there's this quote from Pope Francis that says, human dignity is the same for all human beings. When I trample on the dignity of another, I'm, I'm trampling on my own. Um, wow. And that, you know, it makes me think maybe the reason that we strip other people of their dignity is because we don't uh, properly realize our own. Yeah. Um, mm. Like we, 
we have a we have a poor view of other people because we don't have a correct view of ourselves, and I think that goes back to the image of God. Yeah, that we don't see the image of God in others because we don't see it in ourselves. Maybe. Yeah. And when I think of ways that we can affirm dignity in others, I, I think first of all, put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Would you still think that you have value if you were the person digging through trash looking right. for your food? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's such a good point and quote uh, from Pope Francis, man. Um, actually, one of my favorite quotes um, this year, I've been revisiting that quote, you know, over and over again. But it also speaks to the fact about how we are we all need each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, this interdependence, um, we can be, you know, independent, but we still need each other. We need this interdependence of one another that we, uh, belong to the same human family that we, uh, are a global village, uh, that we belong to one another. And it's, it's almost like this. Uh, I think in the book too, I, I use this metaphor of, uh, you know, a clothing designer, you know, who is putting together, you know, a piece of garment, like, uh, if one string is isolated, you know, the, the designer doesn't throw the whole garment away, you know, because of one string, it cares for, you know, the one string in, 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 in knowing that this one string could damage the entire piece. And so, um, I see it the same way, man. Like if, if one person is suffering, then we're all suffering because we're all connected in some way. And I love the quote by Martin Luther King that, you know, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, man. Um, but also like when, when we think about people who are, you know, violating the dignity of other people, I think we have to be, uh, you know, understand that we can violate other other people's dignity when we like use power in the wrong way against a society or culture or a community. Um, and like, you know, we've seen this flesh out in like wars and, you know, violent religious conflicts and all these other things, man, where uh, people are hurt and damaged, not just physically, but like they're uh, in a in a place where they're emotionally uh, wounded. Um, and I think we, uh, you know, we live in a polar polarized and, uh, fragmented world, man. And we have a responsibility to pursue, uh, justice and up, uphold this idea of love, this power of love. God is love. And so if we are to affirm the dignity of the people, then we, we've got to resist abuse misuse of, and abuse of power. Uh, we have to transform this idea or notion that we are, you know, only in one-sided relationships. Like uh, I see this fleshed out sometimes when people come to the communities and they'll want to bring uh, bicycles to get a poor kids. And it's just like this one-sided relationship, not really trying to forge, you know, intentional relationships where, you know, you may give, but you also may receive. And it's this mutual exchange of being in a relationship. Um, we also need to break, you know, this ex- this ex- exclusionary language, you know, uh, where we otherize people. Yeah. 
where we put people in categories and label them. And yeah, man, I, I just think like, uh, you know, when Jesus talks uh, to us about loving our neighbor, I think a part of that was loving the the human worth and value that God had assigned to other people. Yeah, because when uh, the the Pharisee, I believe, uh, asked a clarifying question and, and asked, "Who is my neighbor?" Yeah, um, and Jesus, he essentially said, "Like everyone, hmm. even the person you least expect or least want to be your neighbor is your neighbor." Wow, give me. Let's give. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's, if you can, give us an example. Yeah, like, um, well, I mean, Jesus gave the the example of the Good Samaritan. Um, yeah, the, the Samaritans were not well liked by the Jewish community, to put mm. things simply. Um, and the fact that that was the person who took the time to be be a neighbor to the to the wounded man who had been robbed and left for dead. Yeah. Um, and wow. it's, it's funny, uh, that Jesus put, he almost put, um, the Pharisee as the, the wounded man. He almost positioned him as that, as that character, not definitely not as the, the Samaritan. Wow. Um, so he, he was, I feel like he was, what was Jesus was essentially saying is whoever can look beyond the external um, factors and characteristics about a person, the fact that someone is Jewish and um, bleeding and unclean, uh, whoever looks beyond that, that is your neighbor. Wow. Wow. So even going back to the story of the guy who called the police on this guy experiencing homelessness, um, would he have been neighbor? Yeah, he, he, that would be his neighbor. Wow. Because beyond the, what you see. Yeah. Uh, this guy is clearly experiencing homelessness. He's searching through the trash for his meal. He's still human. Yeah. And I feel like the core of what Jesus was saying is if they're human, they're your neighbor. Wow. That is, that's powerful. Um, I love how, you know, Jesus and his teachings, man, puts things so plainly. Like, we overcomplicate things often. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for us to, why is it hard for, you know, <laughs> us to see, like, someone who may not have as much as we have as neighbor? Why is that hard, John? Man, uh, I think we sometimes don't want to th- don't want to like we see that and we don't want to equate ourselves as mm. having the same value. Wow! Like we want to feel more valuable because we keep looking to external know, things. yeah external external things like what we have as what gives us value. And I know we've spoken about that many times. Yeah, on this podcast that in our society that we often value people based on what they have and what they do. Yeah not just on the fact that they're made in the image of God or on their character even. Um, yeah, man. Um, 
I love this other quote that you have now. Um, it says, dignity is essential to human life as water, food, and oxygen. The stubborn retention of it, even in the face of extreme physical hardship, can hold a man's soul in his body long past the point at which the body should have surrendered. Wow. That's powerful, man. It is. Um, there's another uh, by Mother Teresa. You want to read that one? Yeah. Mother Teresa says, we need to realize that poverty doesn't only consist of being hungry for bread, but rather it is a tremendous hunger for human dignity. We need to love and to be to be someone for someone else. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I think that speaks to the fact that everybody, no matter who you are, where you come from, what background you have, everybody has this longing to be affirmed in their dignity, not to be affirmed based upon what school you went to or, you know, where you dwell or live or who you associate with, but to just be affirmed in the fact that they are here, they are present, they were created and they are worthy of all, uh, uh, of respect, man. You know, um, you have down here though, uh, which I'm I'm really uh, excited to talk about the wise seven wise yeah uh, because in the chapter I talk about how we can like shift our default setting uh, to see equal dignity in each person uh, that we pass which is you know huge whether it's a you know man experiencing homelessness sitting outside in the rain or you know, a, a woman ordering coffee in the line in front of you, you know, how, how do we check our thoughts and become aware of them? And I use this, this thing called the seven wise. And, you know, I, I, I came up with this, this kind of like process to help us question some of the ideas that we may have about other people, because, you know how you know how it, it is, man. When it's like really easy to judge someone that you've never met, <clears throat> yeah, based upon yeah. like, I don't. You don't even know where the thought may come from. You know, I've heard I've heard many people sometimes say, you know, well, you know, uh, I saw this person on the streets, and I, I think they may have a mental health issue. And I'm like, well, who told you that? Right, <laughs> right. You know where did where did you get this idea from? And the seven wise helps us to get to like the root of a thought or an idea. Uh, like for instance, like if they were to say uh, that phrase, uh, the first why would be like, well, why do you think that? You know? Right. And then they would reply, well, because uh, let's say. If you're living on the streets, yeah. aren't you, don't you have a. Right. Mint mental health issue right well why do you think all people living on the streets have a mental health issue and right then, and you're like oh well i've met a bunch of people who have and then or I'm, i've met people who said that yeah, they have. yeah you know well 
why do you think they formed this idea? And like the process goes on and on where you like literally drill down where you challenge, um, you know, these, these ideas that are sometimes myths, bro. Yeah. It gets the root of, of a belief. Yeah. And it helps us to challenge like, you know, our first negative view of a situation and, it kind of helps us to transform uh, these ideas into a, a more understanding and positive thought. Um, and then, like, after we do that, it, it gives us an opportunity to replace a negative thought with uh, a full picture and a, a deconstructed view of what, what might actually be going on. Um, and then, like, it challenges a person to, like, you know, get proximate. Um to walk across the room, to force a relationship, to uh, start to uh, talk to individuals in a way where they can get a more clear picture. And I think that within itself get, gives us an opportunity to affirm the dignity of other people. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, you think asking why is such a, it, I mean, it, it can lead to such a personal, um, like personal revelation. And growth. If that makes sense. Yeah, and growth. But, man, think like if, if I come up to you and I, and I see you do something uh, that I don't understand. Yeah. And instead of assuming a narrative about why you did what you did, imagine if I just asked you. Right. Like that gives you a chance to, to clarify and defend yourself and explain. Right. Even if, like... Let's use, for example, the guy that I just mentioned in the story uh, that was digging in the trash can. Well, why? Yeah. Well, um, you know, and like you drill down and you get a chance to talk to this guy, he would tell you, like, it's because I I hadn't had food. Um, it's not because I wanted to be like a threat to someone's business or, you know, I was trying to, you know, make a, a bunch of ruckus in society and like you drill down and you get a chance to learn things. And I think it's all about personal growth, man. At the end of the day, um, I normally use this, this quote when I'm talking to groups that the way you see people says a lot about what's in your heart. The way you see people says a lot about what's in your heart. And I think that goes directly um, with what you were saying about maybe we have a, a low view of other people sometimes because we we have a low view of ourselves. Yeah. You know, in the scriptures, like Jesus is talking about, like we should love God with everything and then love our neighbors as ourselves. I think maybe sometimes a hangup is, that we we aren't really able to extend love to other people because firstly we haven't received the love of God in a in a healthy way and we haven't loved ourselves properly mm-hmm. you know and it's hard to sometimes give what you don't have yourself yeah eric fromm says um that if we're lacking in a love for self or mm. love for others or love for God that we won't be able to properly uh, to love. Wow. Like, for instance, like if we're lacking in one area, we won't be able, we'll be lacking in another. So if I don't, 
love myself, then I can't love someone else. And I can't love God either because God created me in his image. And that same God created this person in his image. And if I don't love myself, then that must mean I don't either fully realize the image of God or do not love God. Mm. Uh, And therefore I cannot either love my neighbor or God. Wow. And you could, I mean, switch that around any, any way. Like you could say, I I don't love my neighbor. Then how can you truly love God? And how can you truly love yourself? Or if you don't truly love God, how can you truly love yourself, your neighbor and so on? Yeah. That if one suffers, um, if your love of one thing suffers then your love of all things will suffer. Yeah. Wow. That's good, man. I think, how how do we, let me ask you this though, John, how, how do we, what are like, let's think of practical ways that people can walk away with and say, like, how do I, how do I, how do I receive love better, firstly? Um, but then how do also I take that same love and and share it with others? What are ways people can do that? You know, the first the first the first way for me, man, is like I, I really want to speak to the fact that if you're listening to this and, and you've even struggled with how you see people and you know, struggled with how you affirm dignity um, and even struggle with even <laughs> affirming the, the dignity that you have for yourself. Um, I just want to encourage you to know first and foremost that uh, there's a God that loves you uh, point blank period uh, that you don't have to work or perform or, you know, accomplish or like, you know, the earlier definition, you know, uh, you know, doing all of these different things to be worthy of the dignity. Uh, God already loves you because uh, you were created. He created you. (laughs) And uh, just rest in that, Uh, knowing that, you know, you've been intelligently designed, but the God of the universe loves you. Um, Yeah, I mean, even just thinking about that, like, Look at all the thing that all the things that God created and could have chosen over us. Right. Like it kind of blows my mind. Like when I see like a like a cute little puppy dog. Yeah. That God was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna choose humans to to live with me for mm-hmm. eternity. Yeah. I'm like, well, I would I would pick the I would pick the puppy. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. They're a little little softer. They yeah. Don't, don't kill each other as much. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and I think from that just just realizing this idea of grace um that even in your worst moment like your worst mistake your baddest decision um that there's been grace and mercy extended towards you yeah um i think in an earlier podcast we were talking about you said you had mentioned like what if we could put our lives all uh, like our full sales on social media, right? Yeah, like unedited. Mm-hmm. Um, even in all of that, God loves you. Yeah, that blows my mind, bro. Yeah, for real. 
like there's there's a grace there for you that you don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes. You can mess up. Um, but you can get up each and every day knowing that God is giving you another opportunity if you're alive. Yeah. Uh, to just live and just to be and just to receive God's love. And that's freeing, bro. Um, and it takes the pressure off. Um, and when we realize how much grace we have in our lives, I think that frees us up to extend grace to others. Yeah. Once you realize like you don't have to, you don't have to be enough Yeah, because God is enough. Jesus is enough. Like you're enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's all there is. Like there's nothing more required of you. Right. Um, Yeah. Like that puts you in a space. Well, for me, I know it does for me, man, to love other people. Well, yeah. That, when I see other people who may be broken or suffering or find themselves um, even in positions that are, you know, different from my own, that I want to model what it means to extend grace uh, to other people uh, as a way of affirming their dignity. Yeah. You know, you know I want to, I want to call out the good in people, man. And I think that's one practical way uh, to start affirming the dignity of other people. Yeah. Like, what's one thing? What's one person around you? What's right. one thing that's good about that person? If you were to really sit down and talk to them and get to know their story, what's one good thing you could call out? Right. And then, because when God created, He said it's good, you know. And there's goodness. Um, that I believe He's placed in all of us, man. And if that was to be called out, you know, what world of a difference could that do in encouraging and get offering somebody hope? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like the scripture says, like we, we are supposed to love others because Christ first loved us. Yeah. And it gives such a, the scripture gives such a clear, clear definitions of love. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it's one of those things where it doesn't beat around the bush at all. Like we have scripture that says no greater love as a man than to lay down his life for his brother. Yeah. Or um, that love is patient, love is kind, Yeah. Uh, doesn't seek self, and so on. Or even that the fact that um, Scripture often uses love, the terms love and hate as like idiomatically, um, meaning to to choose or reject. Yeah. So like when you when you say love, you love someone, you can almost say you're choosing them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, man. I think, like, there's just so many people out here that, man, if you were to think about it, that ha- just haven't heard anything good about themselves. Um, I just keep going back to this idea that maybe God could use your words to be hope to somebody. Yeah. Like, what if someone wants to live a little longer and not give up because you so- chose to s- see the good in them and affirm that. Uh, what if someone is inspired to, you know, to be closer to God or to, you know, give life one more chance uh, because you love them, you know, similar to what you were talking about, like Christ has loved us. Uh, what if someone needed to hear that there is grace for them as well? 
uh, that they don't have to perform? Uh, what if, what if somebody just needs to hear, you know, that they're worth it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those are some really great and practical ways, man. Like, you know, find someone close to you, call out the good, um, practice. Mm. You know, another thing is uh, practice the the ministry of presence. Yeah. You know, just being, just showing up, like not even always having to do something. Uh, just being present and listening and, you know, affirming people to let just by through your presence, just letting them know that you are there um, uh, and standing with people uh, through difficult times. You know, I, I I can remember several, several key people in my life, man, where sometimes they didn't have any words. They were just there hmm. um, and just a mere presence itself is very affirming um it lets me know that someone is willing to sacrifice and stand with uh me in struggle um because i'm worth it um and i think that's the the picture of the gospel man that yeah <laughs> you know christ came and stood with uh with us and so yeah uh what would you say on uh one last thing and final point that people could do to affirm yeah. practical. Well, practical. Real quick, uh, what what you were saying reminded me of, of a quote I think I shared yeah. early in one of the first episodes. But people become the conversations they hear around them. Wow. Um, That's good. Like what you speak into people really does shape them. And mm. um, I'm sure we've all heard the the phrase that who, like we will become in five years who we are around now. And yeah. So that, I mean, that almost goes hand in hand. Like, the people around you are going to become like you and they're going to become more like what you speak over them. So why not speak good? Yeah. Um, That's good, man. That makes me think about, I think a third thing that we could close with is share, share your space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's not like you got to open up your home and making a shelter. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just like sharing your space. Um, you know, inviting people to the table, you know, tearing down walls, um, extending love to the other, to the stranger, um, and using, you know, your influence to share your space, to let other people know around you that a person matters, that they are valued and they too, uh, should, uh, value and, uh, you know, love that person as well. You know, because once you, you you start to affirm, you know, the dignity of others, you know, you also have an obligation to encourage people around you. You're in your space, in your mm-hmm. in your sphere uh, to also follow in those same ways, you know. Yeah. I what think, what yeah. if those college students would have shared their space right. and included other college students experiencing yeah. homelessness? and affirm them instead of mm-hmm. mocking. Yeah, they probably would have had a different Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, we all, we're all we all called to create places of belonging. Yes. And acceptance will breed more acceptance. Yes. And when we bring people in, they'll bring in others. Yes. And when we create this place of belonging, not only do we make others feel that they belong, but we create it for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's what we all long for is somewhere where we're listened for and people are looking for us. And, yeah. You know, like it comes back to that 
to the story of the prodigal son where the, the father is searching for this son who is, who is gone. He's waiting for him to return. And man, I think that's a lot of, of what all this is. Like what better way to affirm dignity than to take the story of the prodigal son um, from the perspective of, of the father and using that as a framework for how we treat others. Yeah. Like here comes this, this son who had totally rejected him and not only that, but ran off and squandered uh, all the hard earned resources that the father himself had worked for. Um, and the son comes back and the father looks for him and embraces him and returns his, uh, I mean, his dignity essentially to him. He says, this son is, is one of us again. Like he's returned. He's come back to life. Um, he put sandals on his feet. He put a, a ring on his hand. He invited and had a, a feast and invited his friends. Like yeah, what better way uh, to affirm dignity in others than to model that in our own lives? Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great place uh, for us to end. Um, think about ways in which you can affirm the dignity in others by seeing them, by listening to them, by being present with them, uh, by creating a space of belonging um, and extending grace uh, and love to your neighbor. You know? Yeah. I think that's a good place to end. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, if you've listened to this point, we'd like to thank you for listening. And, uh, and if any, if any of this has impacted you in any way, uh, share it with people you know friends family on your social media and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can hear more content like this uh terrence you want to share your where people can find you on social media yeah man uh if you want to look me up you can uh, find me at i'm terrence lester that's i-m-t-e-r-e-n-c-e-l-e-s-t-e-r uh, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then you could uh, follow our organization in our museum. Our organization is Love Beyond Walls. Um, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You could check us out at lovebeyondwalls.org. Or if you have not visited the Dignity Museum, uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, we, got some, we have some cl- cool places we're going to take it Uh you know, we even had the University of North Carolina reach out to us, bro, here here recently uh, to bring it to Chapel Hill. And so uh, you can look up the Dignity Museum at Dignity Museum. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What about you? Yeah, you can find me on all social media at Johnny Taylor 95. That is J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R-9-5. Nice, man. Yep. And once again, we want to thank all of you for listening, and we hope you listen again.